Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Book of Psalms 46. Psalms 46. And again, she just wanted to reiterate what she said. We are very thankful to be here and be able to minister to you. Hopefully, you are finding hope in the words that have been spoken. And uh, that's my goal, is not just to come in and hype up. That's not my goal. I want to be able to give you some hope. I want to be able to leave and go back home and say, you know, at least uh, they can see a glimmer of light, right? There's some light at the end of the tunnel. And so Psalms 46 I want to begin by asking a question, and that question is, does God need to make sense to us before we can trust him? This question in itself boggles my mind because we try so hard to understand his ways. And we try so hard to understand what God is doing, but why not just let him do what he's going to do? Why not just let him be God. Let him be the father, and why not let us just be the children? I don't ever recall a moment when our kids wondered how food was going to be put on the table. I don't recall ever our kids having to worry about, you know, are we going to have a house? Are we going to have gas in the car? I don't ever recall a moment where our kids had to worry how mom and dad were going to provide for them. All they knew is they wake up and there's breakfast on the table. It was almost like a magic wand, you know. <laughs> they knew that there was going to be clothes on their back. They knew there was going to have presents on, on their birthdays. And we would make things happen, but they had no care. They never sat there pondering how they were going to eat or how the electricity was going to get paid. And they never stressed about bills. They actually thought money did come from a little plastic card, you know, you that was your money. You know? They were children. We were parents. We took the load, right? We took the burden. And so things didn't have to make sense to them. And so the question is, is what has happened to us as believers? We call ourselves believers, but what do we believe? Why are we believers? Believers in what? Believers in who? We've been ruined by having our own understanding of how things work. In my office, I have an old book. It's called How Things Work, and you open it up to some pages, and it tells you how certain machines work. It gives you a graph. It tells you how this part turns this part, and it shows you how things work so you can have an understanding of how things work. But the more we understood money, the more we understood work, and the more we understood people, the more we relied on them and we relied less on God. The more we understood that, hey, I can go to work. I can work, you know, so many hours. I can make this much money. And 
Oh, by the time I get paid, I can pay this off, I can save. And you're, you're beginning to calculate, you're beginning to understand how, how money works, and you're beginning to rely now on your job. And you rely less on God. Somewhere along the journey, we stopped allowing God to be God. We stopped being children, and we stopped him from being our father. See, we understand that one and one made two, But we sometimes don't understand how God plus none can equal three, five, a hundred. We forget that. We don't always have to understand the ways of God so that God can be God. Right? Just because we don't understand him doesn't mean that he's not God. Sometimes the ways of God just don't make sense. And that's okay. Someone asked a question. What makes faith, faith? It's that when we don't understand what God is up to, we still trust him. Right? We don't have to see everything, all the functioning components. We don't, we don't have to see how everything's working and trickling down. And It's just trusting him. It's that when we, again, don't understand, it's not going to take away from who God is because we don't understand We have to learn that true faith is believing and living by God's word and living by his promises, even though there is no tangible evidence. It's not always about show me the money. It's not always about seeing it to believe it. It's not always about the proof being in the pudding. Listen, God is God. He can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. It's all about allowing God to be God when we lack understanding of his ways, of his plans, and of his timing. Let's read this psalm, Psalms 46. I want to minister a sermon entitled, He is God and I am not. Psalms 46 starts off with these two words, God is. Okay, so God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High God, or the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot and the fire. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. He is God, and I am not. Let's consider, first of all, things aren't always easy. This may be a a bad phrase for you, but things aren't always easy. I was listening to a song on the radio. Uh, One time I was driving to work, and this song came on. It was called Wait on You. 
And I began to listen to it. It caught my attention because it reminds us of the reality of life, that life has its ups and downs, that life's, life has its wins and losses. Life's ha- life has its tough moments. There were many unfortunate events that took place in the life of the faithful followers of the way. And so just because you experience constant struggles doesn't mean that God is against you. Having tragedies present in your life does not always mean that there is sin in the camp. We can be so quick to judge people. You're struggling, man, because there's something wrong in your heart. I don't know how many times I heard that pastoring out in the field. Oh, your church, you're constantly going through this, man. There's sin in the camp. Drove my wife crazy. A lot of marital problems. What are you doing? They're sitting in the camp. Uneasiness. But just because things are happening doesn't mean they're sin in the camp. Doesn't mean that God's against you. Doesn't mean that God's bringing judgment on you. Sometimes tragedies just happen because that's life. It's the outcome. Ups and downs of life are present in all of us. Whether you're here or out in the field, whether you're a parent or single, It happens to all of us. We would like to think that everything in life is going to be easy because we're doing things for God. I wish that were true. You heard my wife's testimony. You know, just the different struggles. But that's false thinking. You would not be a follower of Christ if everything worked out easy for you. If you're honest. If I'm honest, I know I wouldn't be saved if everything worked out perfectly. Because what brought me to Christ was the tragedies in my life. What brought me to Christ were the bad decisions that I made that I had to suffer consequence for. What brought me to Christ was brokenness, was emptiness, was desperation. Things weren't working out for me. Things weren't working out for my family. And that's what brought me to Christ. Jesus said said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. This world's going to hate us. This tells me that there's going to be opposition. This tells me it's going to be tough. When someone hates you, they don't make life easy for you. And if the world hates you, it's not going to make it easy for you. All we have to do is read the news, listen to the radio, and you see what hate's doing to people. There's a lot of hate going around. And so if living for God were easy, there would be a lot more people following Christ. Right, people? There's empty chairs because some people say, you know what, this has gotten too tough. I didn't struggle this way when I wasn't saved. Yeah, because the devil had you in his hands already. He's not going to make it easy. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Easy road, easy way, easy life, many go in by it, but it leads to destruction. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Listen, the the hard way isn't isn't always going to... Be easy for us to overcome. 
A hard way is not always going to be something that we're going to enjoy. But it's going to lead to life. It's going to lead us to a reward. Okay, so you struggle. Who doesn't struggle? Lift your hand if you, if you don't struggle. Maybe we can have you write a book or something. Or you can sign autographs afterwards. Or maybe you should be up here preaching instead of me. But we all struggle. We all suffer. We're seeing churches being planted across the world. Do you think that this came without challenges? We hope that things turn out the way we'd hope. But we know that they usually don't. We make our plans. We make our notes. We want everything to work out. I wish my marriage worked out all the time. I wish we didn't have to struggle. I wish we didn't have to struggle with our kids and with finances and with health. And I wish everything worked out. We want every church member to attend every service. People ask me, how many, pe- how many people do you have in church? Well, it depends. <laughs> Last Sunday we had five. Uh, previous that, it was maybe 20. When? Well, how many people we have when? <laughs> I wish everybody would attend service. I wish everybody was faithful. But they don't. I want a life-free, a life-free problem. It's not going to happen. See, we can learn from the many examples in the Bible that doing things for God isn't always going to come easy. And so maybe, maybe you're not getting more involved because you're afraid of the trials. Listen, don't let those things keep you from doing God's will. You're going to suffer whether you're in God's, doing God's will or, or, or not. You're still going to suffer. One thing that I like to say is I'd rather be out there, you know, suffering and going through things and being in God's will than to be here and not and, and, and still struggle. Where, where would I rather be? I'd rather be doing something for God and struggle. I'm going to struggle here. I'm going to struggle there. I'll go to like Dr. Seuss and struggle everywhere. <laughs> here, there, everywhere. Hebrews eleven thirty two. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong because valiant in battle turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. How would you like to have those victories on your resume? See, victory was gained through steadfast faith. It was gained by the edge of the sword. It was gained by prayer. Listen, these are some great victories to to people, to have people come and, and be raised from the dead. A lot of us would love that. But see, others were less fortunate because the outcome was not what they are what they expected. The verse continues on in verse 35. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These people were less fortunate. They got the victory, but they suffered. It's not part of my Christmas wish list to be sawn in half. I don't want to be boiled in oil. I want my tacos to be put in oil. These people were less fortunate. These people who had taken, these are the same people that had taken direction from God. And yet they still suffered? How is that fair that they suffered and the other people didn't? These are people who followed God's lead. We have to let God be God. It doesn't make sense. But yet they still obtained life in eternity. Let's consider it through a different way. Acts 23, verse 10 through 11. The Bible says, Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Paul experiences chaos, something we're very familiar with. But in the midst of this chaos, Paul hears the Lord speak to him. Verse 11 says, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. In other words, this is not the end for Paul. He's experiencing chaos. He's been imprisoned and he's being held back. And God's, the Lord says, listen, I'm not done with you yet. You may be in chains. You may be held back. You may be restricted, but I'm not done yet. There's still much more, Paul, that needs to do. There is chaos. It's not easy. But the Bible says the Lord stood by him. So here's a fact to keep in mind as you journey through your life in God. That when it comes to serving God and living for God, again, his ways don't always have to make sense. This is because he is God. And we're not. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We would like to think that the ways of God would be very evident and and, and clear to us. But as we know, they're not. Things don't always turn out the way we expect them to. Things don't always turn out the way we had prayed they would. But God, I prayed. I prayed for you to move and you didn't move. Are you there? Hello? Do you speak English? Espanol? (laughs) Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, as I read this morning, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Listen, when, when Paul was experiencing this, In Jerusalem, the Lord says, listen, I'm still going to take you to Rome, so I'm not done. Things are going to work out for my purpose. Things are going to work out for my glory. I'm going to bring you 
to where I want you to go, but you're going to have to go through this little journey first. We just want to skip that journey. Lord, just take me there. Just transport me. We were uh, in Lakewood. I was working for a company called Shreddit. Been with the company seven, seven months. That was the first job that I got when I got there. I was working six days, six days out of the week, 13, 14-hour days, and still trying to keep tabs on the church. Things were getting tough. The kids were going through things, and I had already said, okay, you know, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put in my resignation and believe God's going to help me to be on full time. And so when I made that commitment, I went in and I talked to my boss, he understood where I was coming from. I was supposed to uh, stop working at that end of the month, but I ended up losing my job. Things happened. I breached some security. I left the... Uh, anyways, that doesn't matter. But <laughs> I lost my job. And uh, the thing is, is that I didn't understand how it was all going to work out, but okay, this is a blessing in disguise. I was going to plan on stepping out in faith and believing God for finances and be on full time. And, and I was able to. But it kind of happened before I wanted it to happen. My boss wanted to keep me on. He says, listen, I'm fighting for you. I know this is not what, what you meant to do. It, it, was, it was an oversight. It was easily. And so he was basically doing everything he could. Still kept me on for about a, about a week or two before they finally let me go. But I wasn't sure how things were going to work out. We had saved up this money since we've been there to, you know, to uh, just to save money. Hopefully we could uh, get into a building because we were meeting in a funeral home. And, and uh, we had this money saved up. And I said, well, you know, that's going to be some, some help. And then we find out that the church in Modesto is going to need a, a, a pastor. And in the church, there's now a couple that is ready, wants, wants to go is ready to go. So I called Pastor Warner up, and I said, hey, Pastor, uh, so we have a couple here. You know, they're interested in going out, and long story short, they end up making the decision. Pastor says, okay, yeah, you know, and I told him, I said, listen, but we don't really have finances to really support this work. Yeah, we'll make it work. All right, cool. I took that as we got your back. So then they go out, Tell pastor, hey, so they're ready to go, and I call them, make it work. Huh? Make it work? But I tell you what, we made it work. God provided, God moved. I didn't know how it was going to work out. We had $30,000 saved in the bank. Every cent went to support that work. I had to go back to work. I didn't know how it was going to work out. But God's moving. God's moving now still in Modesto. That church is still there. And, uh, you know, now back again in September, I came back on full time as, as a pastor there in Lakewood. God's providing. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but it's working out. The lights are still on. The gospel is being preached. Souls are getting saved. God is going to work everything for his purpose, for his glory. I don't know how, it doesn't make any sense, but God led us through a different way. 
Sometimes it's hard for us to understand the ways of God. And this is why it's best that we do the best thing for us, which is trust God. Surrender your need to be in control. Surrender your need to know what God is going to do. Because he's God, you're not. Just let God do what he needs to do through you. And trust him. So let's look at this last point and trust in him. Someone said 1% of the battle is being able to trust God. The other 99% of the battle is actually giving God control. Ask yourself this question about your life. Who's in control? Are you in control? Do you have the remote? What happens when you try to take control of something that you have no control over? You lose control. Working in Modesto, I had to travel from Modesto to Stockton. I worked long hours, tired, got out of work one day. I didn't tell my wife this story until two years later. I'm driving down the freeway in her Volkswagen, Jetta wagon, or Passat, I mean, wagon. I'm falling asleep. Turn the music up, pull the windows down, ah, trying to keep myself awake. One of those moments I fall asleep and my eyes are crossed. I can see cars in front of me. This is during rush hour. I see cars right in front of me. Instead of hitting the brakes, I hit the gas, so I'm going faster. I'm freaking out. I just woke up from my nap. I'm going down this freeway and I'm start fish telling because I'm losing control. I try to take control, but I'm losing control. All of a sudden, I find myself doing donuts in the middle of the freeway. Finally, the car comes to a stop after three donuts, and I'm looking at the traffic that was behind me. Now it's in front of me. Listen, we lose control, don't we? When we try to take control, we lose control. It creates anxiety, depression, and failures. We become an emotional mess. So many stories of people I've known who've made attempt to control their own lives. The result is that they left the things of God. They left frustrated. They left angry. They left bitter. We make it difficult for ourselves to trust God because of we think that God... It, 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 we think of God the same way we think of other people. God's going to be like them. God's going to treat me like them. God's going to respond like them. When we try to understand people, we ask a lot of questions. And we get the answers right then and there, right? How have you been? Oh, I've been great. You don't ask someone, how have you been? And then they answer you like three months later. You get the answer right then and there, and we're used to that. And we think, you know, God... You need to respond right away. It's not so with God. Most of the time we find ourselves waiting on God to answer. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with waiting on God. Someone says prayer is the essential activity of waiting for God. Acknowledging our helplessness and his power. Calling upon him for help. Seeking his counsel. John Piper said, since his purpose in the world is to be exalted for his mercy, it is evident why prayer is so often commanded by God. Prayer is the antidote for the disease of self-confidence, which opposes God's goal of getting glory by working for those who wait for him. Listen to this. God is not looking for people to work for him so much as he is looking for people who will let him work for them. The gospel commands us to give up and hang out a help-wanted sign, 
This is the basic meaning of prayer. Then the gospel promises that God will work for us if we do. He will not surrender the glory of being the giver. He's not going to surrender that to you. That's for him to do. Let him be your father. You be the child. You can strive to be the best husband. You can strive to be the best wife. You can strive to raise perfect children. And you can strive for everything gospel. You can pray. You can fast for God's purpose to be done in everything that you do. But you will wake up one morning and everything's going to turn into chaos. Look at Job chapter 1 as I begin to wrap this up. Verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And the messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkey feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18, While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 20, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Everything was going well. Job was a blessed man. But one day he woke up in all chaos. And what did he find himself doing? Worshiping God. Trusting God. Naked I came, naked I'll go. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. Listen, even though you experience chaos, God in his faithfulness can always turn things around. Can I encourage you to trust him? Can I encourage you to wait on him? Worship him. Again, Job did worship him in the midst of chaos. Job did worship when things took a turn for the worst. When all hell breaks loose and you wonder what, what in the world is going on, trust him, wait on him, worship him. Because that is all we can do. You have no control. Don't seek any alternatives. Because you're going to be let down. Does this mean everything will, will be picture perfect because you trust him, wait on him, and worship him? No. It just means, God, you're in control. And some of you need that. You're burdened because you have the tendency to want to take control. means one has to lose control and surrender it to God that will make the difference. 
question is, is who are you going to depend on? He is God. I am not. He is in control. I am not. Before we go any further, listen to this song for just a moment.
Let's go ahead and have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment this evening. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.